looking out this dirty old window Down below the giant squid and the lake was floating by I say Hello, and welcome to episode three of Always, the Potter Fandom Podcast. Each month, we highlight the well-mannered frivolity of Harry Potter fans, who they are, what they are up to, and how others can get involved. Our hosts are Adrian Ipia of Los Angeles Dumbledore's Army, Jen Rasick of HPDFW, our guest host is Barbara P. Zruckel, and I'm Jonathan Rosenthal of HPNYC. Since the conclusion of the book series and movies, the biggest events for many Harry Potter fans have been conventions. Some fans wait all year to travel to a single convention. Others go to several both Harry Potter and non-Harry Potter. For our Akio Fandom segment, we are going to talk about our experiences at conventions, what we get out of them, and why they are important to us. My first question for everyone is, how many conventions do you try to get to every year, and are they all HP-related? If not, what other kind of conventions do you like to attend? I don't make it a point to go to a Harry Potter conference unless the conference sounds appealing to me. Uh, The cons that I really like are the HPF cons, and they don't do them anymore. Um, For the group, I do go to a lot of the um, comic book and geek cons like Kamikaze, um, WonderCon, because they're in my backyard, and it's a great way to uh, get new members. But um, I don't necessarily make it a point to go to HP cons unless they sound magical to me. Well, I know for for me, um, obviously the HPEF, cons were just amazing they're fabulous that was my first con and you kind of go with uh, uh brand loyalty there you know you start with ragu spaghetti sauce you're going to stick with the ragu spaghetti sauce and that's how i was with hpef so i started with lumos and just kept going on until they petered out for me cons i only do harry potter cons i don't do any of the other cons i'm a just a huge harry potter fan i enjoy other aspects of the different fan worlds but harry potter is my my love And I am much like Barb. I started out at Lumos, actually. Um, Didn't realize we had that in common. And HPF cons were my favorite. So I average one HP con a year. I typically just stick to HP cons, although I've been to a handful of others because uh, we are an equal opportunity geek family. So my husband's a huge Star Wars fan, and sometimes I go to local cons with him for just sci-fi stuff. Uh, I will go to any convention I can manage to get to, whether whether it's uh, science fiction fantasy, comic book conventions, uh, Harry Potter conventions, of course. Um, I I love them all. I I just think it's 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 the one time where you can really dive into your your geekhood and and indulge in that. I'll try to travel, but most of the time I'll try to stay local because it's just more affordable. Uh, Of course, New York Comic Con. um, uh, I'm going to be going to Wicked Fair in February. And there's always, I try to have a mix of whether or not I'm presenting at conventions with our Harry Potter programming or uh, not presenting, because there is a difference. When you go to a con and you're presenting, you're kind of working. And sometimes I don't want to work, I just want to enjoy the convention. And moving on to our next question, what are your favorite parts of conventions and what specifically do you look for? I like the academic sessions, um, but like right 
you know, kind of at the same level, I like the informal programming. And HPF did a good job um, with, like, their live chess tournaments and all kinds of other fun things. But um, what I forgot to mention in the last during the last question is I went to MistyCon last year just on a whim. I had miles, and I was like, well, I've never been to New Hampshire. Let's do this. And um, it was a smaller con, and because it was produced by a local Harry Potter group, which is, I guess, your group, John. Yep. Um, like, every facet of the con, the decor, um, the programming, was really geared towards serious Harry Potter fans, and um, it reminded me a lot of HPEF, but in a smaller, more intimate format. So, um, yeah, I really enjoyed that. And then there was, like... I, I didn't I didn't partake of what was happening in the pool, but there was like floating brains and peeps. I, I don't I don't even know what was going on there, but that was looked really cool and that was informal programming. Yeah, the pool party was was unexpectedly insane <laughs> in, in a good way. Well, and also I think she might be referring to the wart task number two. Oh, that yeah. <laughs> that yeah, that, I, can't, I can't really describe that. I think you have to watch video to really. Yeah, that kicked my butt. So. <laughs> I think I need an explanation here. Okay. I feel terribly lost and sad. Uh, well, I mean, at this point, I've even forgotten what the question was. Um, Something but... about floating brains. I'm pretty sure that's where we were at. <laughs> uh, MistyCon, I have to tell you, I've been to a lot of conventions. I've been to 10 of them, and I've got uh, th- what two lined up for next year. And, of course, MistyCon in 2015. But MistyCon, when I was first advised about the first MistyCon, which I wasn't able to attend, it, you know, it was New Hampshire. What, what's in New Hampshire? Nothing. But when HPEF finished up and people were talking about MistyCon, these are all the people, my Harry Potter family that I've met in the different conventions. And even we, though we don't contact each other on a regular basis at the conventions, there's nothing but just happiness to see each other. And they told me about this MistyCon. I said, okay, well, I, I'm going to give it a try. I'm going to go to MistyCon. The entire hotel was nothing but wizarding folks. You would walk down the hall. They would have fun little signs on each of the door for, for offices. You know, Winky was in charge of Butterbeer's Anonymous. Uh, you would look at the books on the shelves, and the books were all Harry Potter books. You know, How the Dark Lord Stole Christmas. And uh, it MistyCon, to me, was the cream of the crop for conventions. Now, the wart task was something that the Dark Lord uh, bartender came up with, and it was kind of like a survivor version, uh, Harry Potter style. And that particular task was very physical as far as going into the pool and having to dive down 10 feet to get eggs that had stones in them. And you had to try and get three red stones, but they had blue stones, too. You know, I'm 40 years old. That, that, that. Kicked my butt. <laughs> Jen, do you need me to repeat the original question? No, I'm good. Wait, what was the original question? I, <laughs> I thought I answered the original question and then we went on a tangent. We're, we're asking what your favorite parts of conventions are, which oh, we specifically look for. I'm sorry. I'm still, I'm lost in the lake retrieving eggs. <laughs> Now I'm really sad. I'm just depressed because now you've made me really sad that I wasn't at MistyCon last year. So you have, you have you have a year and a half. Yeah, thanks for ruining my night. Appreciate it. Love you guys. Um, I like just the aspect of just going to the cons. Uh, for HPF, um, I was the photographer for the last couple of years, so I honestly loved that because I got to see everything. 
And so I got to see all of the programming and all of the behind the scenes stuff and all of the informal programming and all of the things that make them so much fun. I got to see all of my, my HP friends that I only get to see once a year because we only meet up at the conventions. Um, that was what I loved most about it, honestly, was the people. Uh, my, my first con was Lumos, and that was really cool. There was a Hufflepuff parade. This is the Honey Badger. It's pretty badass. I knew I had found my people because there was a Hufflepuff parade and I was like, oh my God, look at this. This is amazing. We get to dance around. I learned the, I learned the badger dance. I will not demonstrate it. There may be video out there, but I've tried to burn it all. Um, it, it was just. I really want to know what a badger dance is now. I'm going to look this up after the, <laughs> later tonight. Yeah. Well. <laughs> As I said, I think I've burned all of the copies, but there may be a few out there. It's always something that remains. Right. <laughs> uh, uh, I agree with Adrian. Um, my, I'm a panel freak. Uh, I love academic panels, um, I, both uh, passive where you just, you know, you hear a presentation from someone. But I also love roundtables where, where, where just Harry Potter fans and geeks can just discuss topics that are important to them that they wouldn't normally be able to discuss. I, I remember – the mo one of the like the, the I think the point where I learned how awesome this could be was at um I think it was at Terminus and uh, there was a lecture on the physics of magic and and how it could potentially work and and such and we started people in the audience of this panel started going into tangents uh, and and work working with the the presenter about where how different how different. Uh, uh, physics elements could work and people start and someone brings up entropy and then and then someone talks about black hole theory and the next thing we know we start talking about the consciousness of objects or certain magical objects in, in harry potter and then then it occurs to me i'm like wait a minute maybe magic is dust which then brings all the all the golden compass <laughs> enthusiasts in, into the conversation <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sitting there and I'm just like, this is not a conversation I could have at a bar in Manhattan. Like, the, 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 well, maybe now, now, thanks to the way station, which is a doctor who themed bar, but back then, no. And that's right. That's where I re really get the blood pumping where I can have these conversations with people with like minds. Uh, and the second thing I think, um, that I look for in conventions that I love is also workshops. I love learning how to do things and, and seeing what other people do and, and learning from them and sharing that knowledge. And uh, that that's like how to con costuming tricks, uh, decorating ideas. Uh, I recently was at a convention that had a panel about how to do haunted house tricks. And I used that to apply to the Mysticon. Um, and uh, that, that, I love that. Just anything that, that stimulates my brain. Uh, does anyone want to add anything to that question, or can we move on to the next question? No. Well, if I, if I got a little bit more, because I got, kind of got sidetracked with the whole <laughs> Mysticon thing. Yeah. You know, for the conventions, personally, I prefer the informal programming. I I prefer the, the games, the, uh, the the Quidditch, the Wizard's Chess, the informal stuff. Just everybody letting their hair down, having a good time, just going crazy and doing what they love as far as uh, Harry Potter. And I also really like the workshops, too, because I've been to some pretty darn good workshops. There are some incredibly talented people out there. We've, we've actually gotten uh, – with the back, back when Eternatus many years ago, we, had, we, we were having people email us uh, and almost insisting we try to get other people to repeat workshops from other cons. And uh, it's really interesting when someone 
someone can become a, a, a rock star because they know how to make a really awesome Death Eater mask. I just think that's really cool. And I know the steampunk community is huge about that. There are certain people who are just icons about the way they, the way they make things and teach people how to make things. Okay, uh, moving right along. This might be a controversial question. What was your favorite convention and why? And what was your least favorite and why? Oh, you want to start a fight, don't you? <laughs> okay, so I... Let's see. I think MistyCon and Azkatraz were my favorites. Um, Azkatraz, well, maybe it's because I was on staff at Azkatraz, and I felt... <laughs> I didn't get to see much because I was a volunteer chair and I didn't leave the volunteer room, but like all the informal programming was so well done and it had a legal theme. So the sessions that I did get to go to had like, you know, social justice issues and all these really fantastic panels. And then again with MistyCon, um, just the attention to detail with the decor and the, uh, gosh, I was just ex extremely blown away. And um, I didn't even stay for the whole con. I wish I had. Um, but I um, had my mom fly out, and uh, I met her in Boston, and we did some sightseeing. So um, those are my two favorites. My least favorite, I've only been to one LeakyCon. I had a one-day pass this year in Portland, and I stayed for three hours and left. Um, it wasn't my vibe. Um, the session that I did go to didn't really match up to the dis uh, description. So I was really disappointed and I kind of walked out. It's just, I'd say that Leaky is more wizard rock star kid feel. And that's not kind of what I look for in a con, but you know, I, I was there with a bunch of friends and I, I loved Portland. It's just uh, Leaky wasn't my thing. Well, at least we did find that fabulous garage sale. We did find that fabulous garage sale. Uh-huh. <laughs> Do you want to expand on that? Okay, well, so for myself, my very favorite, uh, I'd have to say, is MistyCon. Because I'm telling you, it was small, it was intimate, you were immersed with other Harry Potter people. Uh, you, you went up the street, not even in the hotel, to a different restaurant completely, and they had a wizard's discount. Literally printed on the receipt, wizard's discount of 10%. So you really felt welcome and just... It was absolutely amazing, and I'm, I'm looking forward to bringing my son there in 2015. He is so excited about it. Um, my least favorite is, I'm going to have to agree with Adrian on that, is the Leaky Con in Seattle. That's the one that I kind of, not Seattle, Portland. That's the one I kind of threw together at the last minute because my son had just gotten into Harry Potter, and I wanted to encourage his love of it and just, you know, go with that. And I had to apologize to him and tell him, you know, I'm sorry, Peeves 2.0, but this is not the regular conventions that I go to. LeakyCon has uh, kind of transgressed into more of a multi-fandom convention. I know I went to a uh, trivia question panel, and they didn't ask one Harry Potter question. And uh, I, was, I was just really disappointed, and I didn't enjoy it. I'm, not a, I'm personally not a Team Star Kid fan. If you are, good for you, but I am not. I enjoy Wizard Rock, but I would like to have you know, a little bit more meat and potatoes as far as Harry Potter's style. So I'd have to say LeakyCon, that was my first and probably final Leaky. Yeah, I think there was a puppy who's very, very sad, too. <laughs> I, I hear someone crying in the background at your description of LeakyCon. <laughs> you do realize we're going to get hate mail, right? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, well, huge... I'm, I'm telling you, as a 40-year-old adult, 
that Leaky Con was, uh, it felt like a Justin Bieber concert to me. And if you're, if you're an 18-year-old girl and you like to squee a lot, then it's going to be perfect for you. You're going to love it. If you are a more mature person that enjoys costume, I mean, I... no one was cosplaying. There's very few costumes there. Uh, There's just a bunch I'm of gonna... teenage girls in t-shirts. I'm going to defend the adult contingent at the Leaky Con because I have several friends who went and, and loved it. And um, I think for them, it was the multi-fandom aspect that they enjoyed, getting a little Harry Potter and a little other nerdiness in. Um, it's certainly not the type of conventions that I prefer and that I liked. I was also at LeakyCon this year. And um, I'll segue into mine, and I'll start with my least favorite so that, you know, the, the fan mail haters have something to focus on. Yes, please. Uh, it's also my least favorite. And for pretty much the same reasons that were said, I'm, I'm a purist. I only go to HP cons really. And um, it was a little too scattered for me. And I do miss the intense cosplaying and the really focused uh, presentations and, and panels and, and all of that. So it was, it was too big, you. too crazy. I'm, stop taunting me. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> My favorite con is going to be a toss-up, actually. Um, Prophecy 2007 and Portis 2008. Those are both HPF cons. Um, Prophecy, because that con... Um, happened one month after the seventh book came out. And so it was pretty much everybody was like, oh, my God, did you read it? Oh, my God, did you read it? Like, well, of course, we'd all read it. But you know what I mean? We were all reacting and, and mourning and freaking out and jumping around and being silly and being happy and being sad. And it was amazing. Plus, they did a lot of really beautiful decorating in that. It's the best common room that I've ever seen. They had a fireplace that had Sirius's face in the fire. And it was like a little fake fire that, you know, flickered or whatever. And it was just very, very cute and very cool. Um, and Portis 2008, only because it was in Dallas and it kind of felt like my group took over that con. I know what so, that's like. <laughs> yeah. Because it was basically an HPDFW con, for me at least, in many ways, I really enjoyed that one. And, you know, I have lots of blackmail pictures of my members now because of that con. Nice. It's true. There's there's a reason I'm a photographer. I've heard a lot of a lot of people say similar things about prophecy and I wish I could go back in time and, and know about the, I didn't know about it at the time. I don't know how much the fandom I was at that time, but I, I hear people explain to me how, what it was like almost psychologically to be so close to the seventh book release and being in a room, being in these rooms of like, what was it, like 1500 people or 2000 people? Uh, well, it was big, but it was, it was right after that, that's, the book that's what I meant. Yeah. out. So it was a month yeah. after. And there was actually a no spoilers rule for the entire con. Like there were specific panels that were set up. Like if you have read the books, you can come into this room and talk about them. And if you haven't, and if you haven't, you can, you know, wander around. But it, it, quite frankly, if you hadn't read the seventh book and you came to a Harry Potter con. Yeah, yeah shame on you. Yeah, exactly. You cannot be pissed at people for spoiling you. That's just your stupidity. I remember seeing photos of it, and um, it's the only – out of all the Harry Potter cons that have been, this is the only one where I've seen where everyone's walking around with with um, with Deathly Hollows in their arm. It's that unique moment in time you can't fake. The right time, the right place, and 
the fifth movie had just come out and they had um I guess the IMAX headquarters are in Toronto. So so Prophecy was in Toronto, Canada. And IMAX headquarters are one of their corporate offices is up there. So they rented out the entire IMAX theater. And it was mm-hmm. just filled with Prophecy folks watching the uh, fifth movie on the IMAX. It was amazing. That's, no, yeah, I need a time machine. <laughs> I, I know for myself, I had to buy two books, one for my husband and one for myself because – we couldn't share a book. I mean, he wanted to find out what was happening and I wanted to find out what was happening. And uh, we're flying to New Jersey to go to the convention in, in Toronto. I'm bawling up a storm because of Dobby and my, 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 my four-year-old son's saying, Mom, what's wrong? Okay, I guess it's my turn. Um, I'm biased, so I'm not going to list MistyCon as my favorite convention because that wouldn't be fair. My favorite convention that I'm not... How is that not fair? That's not fair. It's true. It's it's biased. It's, it's I was one of the one of the head organizers. My favorite convention that I that I was not on the team of would have to be Terminus, and that's that's my favorite out of any kind of convention, whether it's Harry Potter or, or otherwise. Terminus had a lot of things that that cemented to me both what a con should have and should be, and of course the novelty of it being my first Harry Potter convention, and it, it, there. A, it was in Chicago, so you had people from both sides of the country able to go to this convention. Uh, a lot of cons, if they're on the West Coast, you got a lot of West Coasters. If it's on the East Coast, you got a lot of East Coasters. With Chicago, it's an airplane hub for everyone. So everyone was going to this convention, and it it was my first it was my first experience in in meeting people that I've known online in person. Out of any fandom, and I've been involved with Star Wars, I've been involved with um, with comic books, and I, I've never had that experience before. And a, I you know, I believe it or not, used to be very introverted. And Terminus was my first experience in being able to socialize with people with absolutely no pretense. Uh, and you would get on an elevator, and everyone's in in wizarding robes, and you just start a conversation. And that blew my mind. I, I that was completely. I'm a New Yorker. We don't talk to random people. <laughs> like, so that. Um, and then the way they divided uh, Terminus divided everyone into four houses that they they created these houses, and it was based on your region. And they really encapsulated what it was what it, what it's like to be a member of a massive fan base. And they had a very large uh, sales number. I can't remember. It was huge, thousands of people. Um, and for the for the opening feast, they had each house line up at these grand staircases in the hotel, and the hotel itself was unique. It's like a, it's an old old um, gilded age hotel on the on Chicago's Hotel Mile. Um, it's barely altered from where it was in like in the nineteen twenties, and um, all these houses were lined up. Each one had had a house that was some uh, famous person in the fandom. I'm pretty sure, if I recall, I think my head of house was uh, Brian Ross of Draco and the Malfoys, and we all were then proceeded to the, this this huge room for for the for the opening feast, and it's you're like sitting you're on a you're on this huge staircase, hundreds and hundreds of Harry Potter fans are walking down these staircases, and you're like holy crap this is this is unreal like like you know it's it's your Hogwarts, and as we're going as we're going into the Great Hall so not the Great not the Great Hall the the, the feast area. 
we walk past these four cosplayers that I later found out were not hired by the con, were not even organized with the con. They just decided to dress up as the four founders. And we're all entering, and, and I've, I literally have never encountered that level of fandom before. And it was like that through the whole course of Terminus. Uh, and the other, the other thing that blew my mind is walking through Terminus and people would, that was the first time I actually got recognized for things that I've done in the fandom. And there were people who would just be like, you're Jonathan Rosenthal? And, and I'm like, you're, you know, so-and-so? Because I would recognize them as well from online chats and the groups they ran. And it, it was really the beginning of my own efforts to connect the various Harry Potter groups around the United States. Uh, it's also the first time I saw um, uh, Real TM perform, uh, which, well, I, that was also, wow. There I, uh, I do uh, two girls from... Um, London, who are wizard rockers, who flew in for it, and they're they have voices of angels. Wow, that was long. I'm sorry. I'm sorry about that. My least favorite. Um, what would be my? I mean, there wasn't anything I really hated. Um, you have to say something. I know. I know. I have to say something. No, he's just trying to be politically correct. I mean, no, 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 I no, know. that. So he will be the only one that doesn't get hate mail. That's what I'm getting. There has to be something that you didn't like at some point, some con. All right. I mean, I, I don't, I don't like, I don't like talking bad about even the tinier cons or cause everyone, everyone tries to do their best, but there, there was a, there's a con that actually got bought by another larger organization and then dismantled. Um, uh, Big Apple Comic Con was always known as like, sort of like the, um, the, the ghetto comic book convention in New York. Uh, the hotel that it's in or was in probably should be condemned. <laughs> and um, it was always very cramped with poor air conditioning in June. Um, and they always tried to shove as many booths as possible into a, into a constrained area. And they were very inconsistent into how they treated fans. And uh, some years they would allow fan tables and fan organizations. And other years they'd be like, nope, we don't want to do it. Um so their outreach was always kind of mixed. So in those areas, it's like that's a lot. That's a lot of combination of problems tied together there. Um, and eventually, you know, they they went away because New York Comic Con sort of ate up the the New York comic book convention market. Um, so yeah, uh, essentially, you know, have a nice hotel. You know, don't, treat your fans right, and uh, otherwise, I'm you know, with, you do that, and I'll be happy. Okay, as we got past that <laughs> awkward You started question. it. I just um, to point out, you started it. <laughs> right. uh, moving on to our next question. Uh, as a con-goer, what would you like to say to fans that have not attended cons who might be on the fence about attending? Adrian? I'd say that if you're not an outgoing person that talks to strangers or whatever like me, bring someone with you. Bring like a wing person. Because I think you would enjoy it that much more if you're not as um, comfortable, you know, being around tons of people you don't know. Um, but pick one that that has a lot of content that you want to experience, whether it's, you know, sessions, workshops, you know, artists, whatever. And 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 for me, I'm I'm on the opposite side because uh, everybody in the Harry Potter universe is so accepting and open and talkative you could have the shyest person come in and they'll they'll sit on the sidelines until somebody drags them in 
because we all have the same passions. We really love it, and uh, we're not we're not ashamed to say we love Harry Potter and we love everything that it entails. And, and, and if there was a three broomsticks in my neighborhood, I'd be there every single day. And uh, I know for me, I started with Lumos. I went there all by myself, and uh, I'm I'm a little open and I'll talk to complete strangers. But uh, I met a couple of people who were very shy. I went by myself. I didn't know who to talk to. And I saw a couple other people kind of standing on the sidelines, so I kind of talked with them. And one girl I just got so close with, uh, I was driving her to her hotel because she wasn't able to get a room there. And uh, we've been to almost every single con together since then. So, and, uh, you know, I don't talk to her in the regular world, but when it comes to Harry Potter cons, you know, I'll be walking down the street and she'll just scream out my name and, and there we are. So... If you're shy, if you're open, if you, only thing that matters is you, your love for Harry Potter. And that's oh, I'm, just where I'm going to go. I'm sorry. I thought just in general, John, I think you, <laughs> that you're asking like, how, like, what are your thoughts about just generally going to a con? I think Harry Potter cons are definitely a lot different. Um, there are, the people are more friendly, although I just didn't experience, experience that at Leaky at all. Well, and yeah, to, to what you were saying earlier, I was going to agree with Barb 100%. Um, Lumos was my first con and I basically went by myself. I didn't know anybody. Um, I had one friend who was there. Uh, I think I saw her for 10 minutes. Uh, otherwise it was just me wandering around, but it was amazing because you are going to have something in common with every single person there. Just dive in, just do it even. And I'm, I'm, um, kind of in between outgoing and, and introverted. So I don't always put myself out there, but I, you have something in common with everyone who's there. You just start chatting about anything, you know. I have, when you know I went to Lumos, when I went to Lumos, I I did not know this fandom existed, and I just sat there, just in complete shock, saying, "Oh my God, these are my people. Where have they been?" Plus, you know, you know it was at a casino, and I'm a horrible person. I really enjoyed freaking out the muggles who were just staring at all of these people walking by in robes, like, "What the hell is going on?" I don't understand. I'm very confused. You could you could see them. They they'd pause mid pull on their their little slot machines. Like, wait, what's happening? Hey, 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 wait a minute. Those slot machines pay my state taxes, so don't don't be ragging on them. I'm not ragging on your slot machines. I'm just saying we were distracting your taxpayers. I prefer blackjack myself. <laughs> don't worry, we messed with them too. <laughs> Oh, blackjack players get annoyed too, more so than the slot players. Um, uh, but yeah, uh, cons in general, those are mixed. It, whether or not you suggest to someone to go to a convention that a non-Harry Potter convention really depends on the convention, so I can't really go into much detail with that. But when it comes to Harry Potter fans and the Harry Potter fandom, um, if you're afraid to go to a Harry Potter convention or you're not sure you want to, it's something you really need to try to do at least once, uh, see what happens. I feel fairly I, I feel fairly confident saying if you're listening to this podcast, these conventions are for you. These are your people. Go embrace them. Absolutely. A lot of times I'll hear from people like, you know, what do I do? I, I've never been to a con. I'm not going with anyone. And like like what you said, if there, the Harry Potter cons are incredibly unique in that literally everyone there is there for for one specific reason. At a comic book convention, you got DC fans, you got Marvel fans, you got people who love Spider-Man, hate Spider-Man. It can be all across the board. Harry Potter conventions, you all love Harry Potter. 
Yeah. If you don't love Harry Potter, then you're a masochist. And there's a whole other kind of convention for you, which we won't discuss. <laughs> like, so if if you're if you're shy, if you're if you're not sure, give it a shot. It, it, it's 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 probably a better convention for you to try out than any other genre, uh, because of that that connection that everyone has. Uh, my favorite term for this is actually something John Granger came up. Uh, I don't know if he came up with it, but it, he mentioned it in one of his books and one of his um, presentations is that we all have a shared text, and that we we all know what we're referencing, uh, and that creates a bond. Uh, both of language and of knowledge that removes enormous barriers between people. And that's why at Terminus, you know, you could, you can crack a joke about Hufflepuffs and, and all of a sudden you're friends with everyone on the elevator, including the Hufflepuffs. <laughs> so uh, if you're, I'm going to repeat, if you're a Harry Potter fan and, and you know, you can arrange it, try to get to a, to a convention, um, you know, Try to find a smaller event first if you want, like a uh, like something like the Howls and Horcruxes Ball, which is I think like a um, I don't know what their head count is, but I think it's under a thousand, and it's just a big ball with wonderful music, and it's all Harry Potter fans. Uh, or check out some of the stuff that HP Ohio does, which are um, like the Crystal Ball, which is one night only at a wonderful, wonderful, gorgeous castle in the woods of Ohio. And then if you like that, move on to something larger and and see what happens. Or be brave and plunge in with both feet and go to a con. <laughs> Be brave, people. Come on. Like I, I, I know that from what I've seen, Camp Nine and Three Quarters would be an outstanding first-time convention. Yeah. If you're if you're into camping, which is an important part. Well, it's not really <laughs> it's not really camping. You have a cabin. There's showers and spiders and yeah. There we go. See the bug thing. Texas yeah, <laughs> has Aragog... some pretty impressive spiders. If Aragog is rooming with me, I'm not going. Oh, uh, Aragog and all his children are all over the place. There are bugs in Texas that have their own area codes. Okay? <laughs> like, it's sorry, I, I I just can't. Like, that's I, I'm probably I really hope to go to Camp Nine and Three Quarters one day. Um, but I'm gonna come with like a biohazard suit because the nature and me we don't get along very well. I thrive under fluorescent light. It's like. <laughs> well, I, I personally scrapbook. I'm, a, I'm an avid scrapbooker, and I scrapbook every single convention I go to. And I know for Camp Nine Three Quarters, I had a special two-page spread on Aragog's children. Large cons and small cons both have their advantages and disadvantages. Uh, what do you feel are, are the advantages and disadvantages for both? Which one do you prefer? Well, for Harry Potter cons, I I feel small ones are a little better. Um, I've been to both, and uh, I really had an opportunity, um, at least at MistyCon, because of the intimate setting. I think there was, like, what, four or five hundred people Roughly four hundred. Yeah. Um, I really got a chance to meet lots of new people, and um, they're all scattered around the resort, and, like, you're sitting in front of the fire, and you just, you know, hey, there's someone dressed up as, like, Nagini. Let's just have a conversation. Um, I mean, you can still have that kind of experience at the bigger cons. Uh, but I, I, I really enjoy the intimacy of Misty Con. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with Adrian on that. I mean, just having, you're there for several days and you're seeing the same people every single day. And, and once again, they, 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 just, they become family, the people you, you knew already. Cause like I said, with my scrapbooking, I do a page every time with 
old friends, the people that I've known before, and I also do a page of new friends because I always meet new friends at those smaller cons. Now, the advantage of the larger cons, though, is they have the ability to bring in the um, the actors. Or uh, I remember at um, Portis, they had Jim Dale there, and that was just wonderful to hear him speak and how he came up with the different voices while he was reading the, uh, the books for the audio books. And also... Um, uh, the young man who plays Percy, whose name slips my name right, my mind right now, but they, the larger cons have the ability to bring in the actors, but the smaller cons, to me, they are the heart and soul because they are the the people who are truly devoted to Harry Potter and just really enjoy what they do and just love everything. Um, for me, I see benefits to both of them. The small cons, again, it's it's community, it's being with everyone, the large cons, again, you can get stuff like the park um, after hours events and, and big events that the small cons just can't handle, you know, can't bring in. So so it's good from that aspect. So I think each of them have their appeal and I would go to small cons and big cons alike, as long as they're Harry Potter focused, to be clear. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm the same way. I like, I, I think they both have their advantages and they, they're both places that I, I derive different energies from and provide energy to in different ways. Uh, I mean, obviously, small conventions I love because the intimacy, the ability to do really precise, wonderful things with your surroundings um, and the connections you can form with people. But then large cons, I'm one of those people that relishes in the energy of being around 10,000 people. And like at New York Comic Con, which is immense, uh, some people get freaked out by it. I absolutely love it. it, it the the vibe that that flows through these spaces, I, I feed off it. it. It makes me feel amazing. So I couldn't do that constantly. That would be way too much. And that's why I like the balance. So I can go to a smaller con every once in a while. I can go to a larger con every once in a while and get benefits from both. Uh, so the last question I was going to ask was actually something that people have uh, pretty much answered during, partially during the course of this conversation. I was going to ask if anyone has a particular story they wanted to tell, a favorite con story. I essentially believe that everyone has two different kinds of favorite con stories. One they can tell in public and one they can't. <laughs> <laughs> so, this is true. Uh, um, we are going to stick with the ones that you can tell in public. I believe I already told mine about, about Terminus. If uh, anyone else wants to talk about uh, one of their stories, please uh, go ahead. Well, definitely not going to share the ones that that um, are not PG-13. But I think the one that one, – one part of the con that I really enjoyed was um, – Infinitus, and uh, it was maybe we, we got there a little early because we wanted to spend more time in the park, and I think there was uh, maybe 16 or 18 from my group who went um, to the con, and we all went to the park together for the first time, uh, the first day we were there. We took the water taxis, which we said they were the, you know, the boats that you take on your first year to Hogwarts. Did you have sing-alongs on the water taxis? Because we didn't, we were never on that boat without singing something. Um, no, I think just New Yorkers do that. We didn't do that. It was, it was too damn hot. It was so hot. Like I, I, I was like, I don't even know if I can like make it through the day. So I think it was just that when we were getting over there in, in the breeze, the breeze off the water was hot breath, just hot breath on your face. 
Um, so I think it was just that discussion was really like, is it really going to be this hot going to Hogwarts? Are you serious? Um, and then we're, you know, we're walking through the park because we're trying to cut through and, and get just to the one part of the Wizarding World for the Wizarding World. And, uh, you know, you walk into Hogsmeade for that first time and you see the, the, the steam engine and it was absolute magic. I think a couple of the people with us started to cry and it was really that amazing um, just to be there. So I think that is um, my most favorite story. We all had lunch at the Three Broomsticks. We all waited in a three-hour line to get on the journey of Hogwarts together. It was it was pretty magical. Well, I know for myself, uh, uh, I live in Las Vegas. So when I found out about Lumos coming to Vegas, I said, okay, well, I, I really enjoy Harry Potter. I, I think I might be able to do this convention, but it's a little pricey. And I was kind of on the fence, and I finally made the decision, okay, I'm going to go. They were sold out. Oh, Merlin's pants. Really? Okay. So like two days before the convention starts, they sent me an email. They had some openings. So I had, of course, you know, talk to my boss, going to take the time off. And she was really easy about it. So I was able to just kind of sneak in. So I go in there and I'm just wearing my Slytherin t-shirt. Very proud of myself. I'm representing Harry Potter. And I see all these people in costume, all these cosplayers, uh, just I think my favorite one was uh, a, a young man. I don't think he meant to be Neville Longbottom, but he ended up being Neville Longbottom because he won this plant and he was a Gryffindor, so he's walking around with this plant. <laughs> I remember anyway, that. Yeah. So, and, and he walks by this, this big wardrobe, and there was Snape dressed up in Neville's grand's clothes, and, and they're coming out of the wardrobe for photo ops. And I, I, I had no idea this existed. That it was out there. And I felt so bad because I love costumes. I love dressing up. And I had nothing prepared. So I had to go the very next day. I I took my little eyeliner pencil and wrote sneak across my face so I could be Arietta Edgecombe. So at least I was cosplaying <laughs> kind of. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> Emergency cosplay. I love it. Exactly. <laughs> okay. So my con story, um, I like the dances at the at the large cons because um or maybe the small cons have them too but i like the dances i just like the energy of it i like the music it's probably the one time i ever dance because there's a large enough crowd that i'm not going to embarrass myself too terribly so when i'm not taking pictures i i dance um at portis 2008 or no it was uh i'm wrong it was phoenix rising <laughs> in in new orleans and there was the, the usual ball and everybody was dancing and I was in this pretty dress and it was hot after I'd been dancing for a while. So I flopped down on the side of the ballroom and I flipped my dress up to just above my knees. So it's not like I was bearing everything, but I had flipped my dress up over my knees and this random person runs over, snaps a picture what? and runs off. I have never seen this person again and I have never seen that picture online. But somewhere, someone <laughs> has a picture of me lying on the floor of a ballroom with my dress flipped up. Crazy things happen at cons. That's just nice. what I'm saying. Well, so, I, I especially loved Portis being that uh, we had the Harry Potter convention right next to the Southern Baptist convention. Oh, good Lord. Okay, wait. Okay, Mike, can I have a second favorite story, please? <laughs> Come on, you really want to hear this one, please? Yes, yes, Jen, we will allow you to have a second favorite story. <laughs> Okay, so as Pete mentioned, 
Some genius at the hotel decided to be a good idea to have a Southern Baptist convention and a Harry Potter convention at the same time. Those people hated us, by the way. They tried to save us in the elevators constantly. Yes. Because we're all going someplace very, very warm. Uh, That's I, not I Texas. Really... You're going to burn in a very special level of hell. A level they reserve for child molesters and people who talk at the theater. I was really willing to push my, my book of how to do Avada Kedavra to them, but they, didn't, they wouldn't take it. As part of this convention, they had set up like a little like church looking edifice and um, a bunch of the Death Eaters <laughs> marched on the church with Lord Voldemort in the lead. And being the photographer that I am, I naturally had to come along and document this and take pictures before security came on and chased us off. It, it was... <laughs> It was. Yeah, no, I remember hilarious. that. That was hilarious. <laughs> I laughed so hard. Mm. I'm done. We're good. <laughs> I just needed to share. <laughs> okay. Not a problem. I already shared my story about Terminus. Um, now, of course, this is always the Potter Fandom Podcast. We can't end this co- this discussion without listing some of the upcoming conventions that we know about. Who has it? Is Jen or Adrian who, who did the research I on this? I believe we've all done a little bit of research. I, I know, think I, it's Jen. I say yeah. it's Jen. Who? <laughs> Jen. Jen, would you like to read the upcoming, the list of upcoming conventions okay. that we know about? If I miss one, somebody else <laughs> chime in. Um, so upcoming conventions that are Harry Potter specific for this year. Uh, Dragon Con always has a large Harry Potter contingent. Uh, they always have a Yule Ball, and um, that's always in Atlanta. I don't know if tickets are still available for it. I know that that con is very, very popular, so those hotels sell out quickly. But it, again, there's a huge Harry Potter contingent for that. Uh, there's also, um, I'm sorry, there's also a Harry Potter presence in the Dragon Con parade. It's yeah. usually a very large one. Yeah. So if you're in the Atlanta area, that's probably a good con if you can get into it to get your feet wet and go hang out with some Harry Potter peeps. Uh, in addition, there's going to be LeakyCon 2014 taking place in Florida in, I believe it's July or August, uh, whatever, it's going to be hot. But they'll have a park event and their usual uh, mishmash of all sorts of fandoms, and and they'll have stars, as they always do. Uh, the, ne- the next LeakyCon Orlando is July 30th through August 3rd. Thank you. See, you should be doing the segment on LeakyCon Orlando. Clearly, I just, knew all the details. I, I, I just Googled it. <laughs> well, you've got better Googling skills, we've established. In addition to LeakyCon, <laughs> there's also a new convention in town. The new kid on the block, Shoot212, is going to take place in Santa Clara. Um, the registration for that just opened up, I think, a week ago. And the idea of it is it's a mishmash of an indoor fair setting with an academic conference. They really want to have more of an emphasis on cosplay and and kind of like a very immersive experience. So what they're talking about right now and the plans are there's going to be Quidditch, live music, interactive cosplay and photo ops in addition to programming which will include programming for kids, teens, and adults. Plus, they're going to have a 4th of July fireworks show. That's going to take place July 2nd through the 6th in Santa Clara. And I you find can- it weird that – I'm so sorry, but why would you want to do a con the same month that Leaky is going to have a con? Um, if some Most people can't afford to do both. So, I mean, well, I – Because they're two separate sides of the United States. 
Yeah. I think you can def- it's the only way you can really pull off having a con at the same time as another con is if you are on, are, if you are on diametrically opposite coasts. Yeah. Uh, because there are plenty of people who just can't travel coast to coast, especially especially this economy. It, like flights cost a fortune. Mm. Uh, I, from what from what I've been seeing, um, uh, Shoot Two Twelve looks to be a, uh, a a strongly local event. Um, I definitely hope plenty of people come from um, all over to go to it. Uh, but I think also a lot of people locally are going to have an absolute blast. Definitely local, but I just, um, I guess for me, if I'm going to do one fandom thing this year, it's going to, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to leaky, but I'm going to go to Orlando when um, Diagon Alley opens. So I'd rather use my um, non, you know, husband vacation fandom thing for, for like, for Diagon Alley. Not husband fandom vacation. But that's not a convention. So if you're going to do a convention, your options are. Shoot 212, LeakyCon mm-hmm. 2014, uh, DragonCon, and we haven't mentioned yet Camp 9 and 3 quarters, which will be in its second year, and that's taking place in October, so October 10th through the 14th. And that is going to take place in Marble Falls, Texas. And as we mentioned earlier when it was being discussed by Barb, apparently it's awesome. It is. Yes, I have never, I have, I have not heard a single bad thing about Camp Nine and Three Quarters. Everyone who went had glowing reviews. Um, and October uh, will not kill you in Texas. Just, no, just to be no, clear on that. We had one, we had one rainy day. I, got, I finally got to wear my 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 rain boots that I bought. I live in Vegas, so my rain boots I bought three years ago. So I finally got to wear them. Um, it was, but I have to say it, it was a rocky start. But once again, you have your your learning disadvantages. You know, it's your first one. There are things that uh, we need to learn and just go from there. And I, I believe the second one's going to be even better. So the links for all of these conventions will be in our show notes and available on our website. Thank you very much. Slytherins work hard five days of the week. At the week's end, it's pleasure that we seek. No one really knows what we get up to. Moving on to this month's Fandom Fidelis, our listing of upcoming fandom events for the month of February. All these events will be listed on our website as well, with corresponding links for more information. Port Key to Magic in St. Petersburg, Florida, is having a pottery painting day on February 2nd. Wizard Rock returns to the Sidewalk Cafe in New York City February 8th. Lineup includes newcomer Wizard Jazz Band Band in a Box, Madam Pence and the Librarians, Lillian James, and Hawthorne and Holly. Harry Potter New York City's February meetup is on February 6th, and they're having their annual board game night. Their Neighbors in Virginia is for Wizards are having their Muggle Studies book discussion of Cuckoo's Calling that same evening. Chicago Harry Potter is having a Geek Craft Night on February 8th. And out on the West Coast, LADA is having Hogwarts House Feud. On February 9th, Fence Against Dumb A's in Virginia is having afternoon tea at the Mandarin Oriental Express Lounge. And on February 17th, they're having a discussion on Fantastic Beasts and where to find them, both the book and the upcoming film. The Central Florida Slug Club is celebrating Valentine's with tea and some writing activities, such as silly pickup lines, prose, poetry, and chain writing games. This is on Monday, February 10th. HPDFW is having Valentine's tea at Madame Puttyfoot's on February 16th. February 18th is the monthly meeting of the Orange County, California Harry Potter Meetup. The group that shall not be named will be offering two wand dueling classes at Wicked Fair Convention in Somerset, New Jersey, February 21st through 23rd. It looks like February is a busy month. 
Everyone have a fantastic time spreading the magic. If you want your event mentioned on our podcast and listed on our website, please use our submission forms at alwayspodcast.com. This is John Rosenthal with Fandom Fidelis. And now, with all the latest Harry Potter news, we have Adrian with Potter Watch. Hey everyone, welcome to Potter Watch. First up is the live webcast from Universal Orlando about the Diagon Alley expansion. So the first thing is, there's going to be an Alivanders at Diagon Alley. So I'm not sure if that means like, the Hogsmeade Ollivander is going to close or they're going to have it at both lands. Um, another big thing is there's going to be a Nocturne Alley, and they have confirmed that there will be a Borgen and Burks, a shop specializing in the dark arts that will offer a wide variety of dark objects such as Death Eater masks, skulls, and other sinister items. What do you think about that? I'm really excited. I want to go see all of the crazy stuff that they put in there. I want to see a cursed necklace, a hand of glory. I want to go hide in a cabinet, peek right. out at people and scare the crap out of them. I'm just that kind of person. Yeah, and um, there's going to be a, a Weasley's Wizard Wheezes, but that also means that Zonko's and Hogsmeade is going to close. Yeah, I hope they carry over a lot of that decor, because I just love the little details inside Zonko's, like the extendable ears that are up on the ceiling that, you know, you just have to look up and find them, or the really awesome window displays with the, with the girl throwing up in the bucket. One of the um, Central Florida Sug Club members sent some video about um, some of the potential products that they're looking at, and one is the decoy detonator. Also, do you remember in the movie where you see Umbridge on a unicycle or something? Yeah, it's she... like a unicycle on like this wire. Yes, so that's something that they're looking at too, and the skiving snack boxes. Ooh, I'm looking forward to that. Right, right. I think so they already that's... had decoy detonators. At least they had the boxes. I'm pretty sure. I don't know if there was nothing in them, but. I think if they do the umbrage, I will have to get one. Maybe just have her unicycling through my living room occasionally. Yeah, I'm thinking that too, and it may spurt off, like, insults. Like, <laughs> that, would be, that would be the best. Right? And there will be a Madame Malkin's Robes for All Occasions, a Wise Acres Wizarding Equipment, where you can get uh, telescopes, binoculars, spheres, compasses, and other shenanigans, quality Quidditch supplies, and Florian Fortescue's Ice Cream Parlor. Super excited about that. I wonder what kind of ice cream flavors they're going to come up with. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to the crate. Well, they better have the book ones, of course. Like, what is it? The strawberry. Strawberry, strawberry peanut butter. Was it strawberry peanut butter? I know they served something similar to that, if not that exactly, at, at the uh, Three Broomsticks, which was actually quite yummy. So Florian's should be awesome. I wonder with them doing quality Quidditch supplies, what they're going to do with the shop fronts. They're not actual shops, but they're just like shop fronts that are in Hogsmeade, whether they're going to leave them or redo them. I didn't even think about that, right? Because it, like, towards the back end, there was just, like, a storefront, and it was yeah, like, just exactly. a facade. Because there's Madame Malkins and there's the quality Quidditch. I wonder if they're just going to expand out the post office. I'm having trouble picturing it. It's, like, all of Vanders, and then it lets out into where you can buy, like, the stamps and the owlry, and, and then that also had some of the Quidditch stuff. Like, it was kind of, like, all jumbled together. I mean, I don't know. All of those places were just pretty. Yeah. So I wonder if they'll leave them or if they're just going to redo them. It'll be interesting to see all the new details that you get because you're getting a whole new section, but 
I mean, also, we've got that Zonko space that's opening up, so they're going to have to put something there. So that means that the existing Hogsmeade area is going to be getting some new stuff, too. So that's exciting. Yeah, and there's also going to be, like, a Scribulus, which I think is where you get your quills and whatnot and stationery, which they kind of already had. I think they're just going to, like, move all that stuff into, like, one store. Going between the two parks, of course, you're going to get to take the Hogwarts Express, which is super, super exciting. There's going to be compartments that you can get in with your friends, and it's supposed to be an interactive experience. In fact, they had Ivana Lynch in one of the compartments doing, like, an interview, so it's like a little sneak peek of, of what's coming and I cannot wait to get on that train I just I just want to ride the train my my life can be complete if I just get to ride the Hogwarts Express mine too and there's also like this big like London facade um so there is like a Lister Square and King Cross Station and then apparently you have to go through this like moving brick wall thing um I don't know if it's something that is going to be digital or real to get to platform 93 quarters so you're essentially leaving the muggle world going through the brick wall into the wizarding world that just gave me chills to say that out loud I love all the little details that they're incorporating. I mean, this is what makes this park so amazing, is the level of detail and imagination that's put into every single aspect of it. Watch had a very special opportunity this weekend when Adrian got to interview Kirsten C. Felch of the Central Florida Slug Club, who just recently attended the Universal Studios Harry Potter Celebration events. What days did you go? I went Saturday, and I wasn't planning on going Sunday, but I had so much fun that me and my boyfriend came back for Sunday. And what was your highlight of the weekend? Probably getting to taste the warm butterbeer that they had coming around every couple hours. Now, tell us about the warm butterbeer. Is it like someone handing out samples, or did you have to go somewhere to at a certain time to get the butterbeer? Uh, well, for other people, I'm pretty sure they went in and they made an announcement or something. But for me, when I came in, I stuck up a conversation with the lady at the cash register, and then she asked me if I wanted some warm butterbeer. So they gave me a warm butterbeer and a cold one. So I got one for free, and then I got to taste it. And I didn't see anybody else with any, so I felt really special. So you have, like, super secret, under-the-counter butterbeer, and how did it taste? It tasted super magical and under-the-counter. It um, <laughs> was really creamy, and someone said it was, like, steamed milk with caramel, which is a pretty good explanation, but they definitely worked hard on that recipe. It's delicious, and you can definitely drink more than one cup. And on a January day, the only cold month in Florida, it will feel great. So if you had to choose cold or warm, what would you choose? See, that depends on what day it is, because if it's um, any other time of the year, I want a cold one. But in the winter, that's the perfect thing. Now, did you attend any sessions during the Harry Potter celebration? I went to the wand combat class with Paul Harris, and then I went to the Mina Lima event on Sunday where they talked about graphic design and showed some stuff. Tell us a little bit about the dueling demonstration and wand combat class with Paul Harris. Like, what did you do? Did you get to go up on stage? I didn't specifically get chosen to go on stage, but uh, I think about eight other people maybe 
some more. They got to go up on stage with uh, Paul Harris and Arthur Weasley, whose name eludes me at the moment. He was a stand-up guy. He was funny. And Paul Harris was totally interesting. The first thing that he did was talk about how it was basically the first positions of ballet. And then he had everybody with a wand and everybody who wanted to pretend they had a wand stand up in the audience and follow through all the movements with him. And I was not very good at it. Then he chose some people to come up on stage, and I was not chosen, but that's okay. And it was very amusing, and there was a guy with a beard, and he called him Guy with a Beard. It was funny. <laughs> you also went to the graphic design for Harry Potter by Mina Lima. What did they cover in that session? Uh, basically, first they told people what the graphic design is, because it's always a little more than people assume. It's, it's the newspapers, and it's every single book, and it's some of the props. Uh, they talked about the Marauder's Map, and they showed a... Uh, slideshow kind of thing of pictures while they talked and there's a video of scenes with the movie where they showed extra props that they love to make. Tell me what you saw at the Harry Potter Expo. Oh, the Harry Potter Expo was awesome. I came with uh, the Central Florida Slug Club representing. Uh, we showed up uh, at 8.15 at Starbucks. We went in line and we were in the first group that went in. We walked in and there was a line to take a picture with a green box bag and we did a group photo there. And then they have a mini wand master class where you stand in front of a mirror with an employee. You get a free photo of you with a series black wanted. The Pottermore session where you take pictures for Gilderoy Lockhart's birthday, which the club also did. There was a sorting ceremony. I got sorted into Ravenclaw. Is that the house that you claim? Uh, yes. They ask you which house you prefer, even if you're dressed up all in your house colors. And then I got a poster signed by Kazu Kabushi. I may have utterly messed up pronouncing his name. And there was also a stamp station where they had stamps and envelopes and all sorts of things and the creators and designers of the stamps over there. It was just full of interesting people and full of interesting things and tons of like special anniversary products and all staff would like approach you and talk to you and it's so cool. Awesome. Now what was your favorite cosplay outfit for the weekend? I'm sure that there were some people who went all out dressing up this weekend, but what was the best costume that you saw? Uh, personally, like, there was a McGonagall and a Sir Nicholas and a Snape and a Chani and all that stuff, but my favorite were these two people, and I don't know if they made them themselves or found them online somewhere, but they had Slytherin and Ravenclaw Quidditch uniforms, and they were just perfect. Okay, cool. Well, um, is there anything else you'd like to share? Uh, yeah, just uh, every single Harry Potter fan there was super awesome, and you could just talk to anybody, and it's just the best community because I must have made, like, 10,000 friends just waiting in line. And also that the universal staff that they pick for this stuff, um, they all know their stuff. So if you're just sitting around and you see an employee just standing outside the line, you can talk to them, and they'll talk about how they're fangirling or fanboying over everything that's going on. And it's just the best atmosphere ever. And I haven't been to um, any big event like this at Universal before. And it was just wonderful to be surrounded by all the Harry Potter loves. Harry Potter stage play coming to London's West End. What we do know, um, JKR confirmed it, and um, she is going to be a co-producer and collaborator, but won't be writing the script. And um, this is officially what she says. Over the years, I have received countless approaches about turning Harry Potter into a theatrical production. Um, 
but Sonia and Collins, who is the uh, confirmed producers, vision was the only one that really made sense to me and which had the sensitivity, intensity, and intimacy I thought appropriate for bringing Harry's story to the stage. After a year in gestation, it is exciting to see this project moving to the next phase. And what it is, it's Harry's story before. Uh, with the Dursleys before he finds out he is a wizard. So, John, you had some really strong feelings about this. You want to share? Oh, my God. You just put me on the spot. I don't remember my feelings on this. Um, you said, <laughs> I don't know. Feelings. Gonna, you have them. Explore. <laughs> what you told me. Like, I don't know how to feel about this because um, it's going to be depressing about his life living under the stairs and being verbally abused or something to that effect. Uh, okay, thank you. You actually remember. Is it a that, musical? No, that is. That is. Yeah, it's called no, Kenny. But, it's not uh, a musical. <laughs> no, if it was a musical, I'd be having lots of fun with it because then I would just be like doing doing Annie and Harry Potter crossovers, um, you know, with like Voldemort being Daddy Warbucks or something. Um, but, <laughs> 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 um, but uh, it's a Hogwarts life for us. It's <laughs> pre-Hogwarts. I know, but still, Hogwarts. it works. Um, <laughs> No, but yeah, I thought it would be. I mean, wow, like wow, great! This 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 Broadway show about this orphan who gets abused. They use a cane and some fruit as his body. Oh yeah, yeah, I've I've been beaten loads of times. Mm. And not fed properly, like yay. Um, oh, that's that's better than the one with the fantasizing about the horse and being naked and everything. Yeah, but that's a metaphor. Oh. <laughs> Maybe this is a metaphor for. Yeah. But uh, I, I, the thing is, um, I think one of my one of my friends said that isn't that essentially what uh, what Oliver <laughs> is all about? And I'm like, okay, maybe. But Oliver's a musical, and you know, street urchins just naturally have more musical. <laughs> is your main objection, John, that it's not a musical? No. <laughs> I just prefer livelier topics in my in my theater like not. it's harry potter i would have my ticket booked already on the airline if they had a release date it's a non-magic harry potter i don't care it's i well you know that's why it's good that it's in london we'll see how it is and maybe it'll come over here and then Daniel... oh no i'm going to london it's, it's happening yeah i'm going to london yeah well, okay jen and i are going to london we're gonna laugh at you from the theater and say you but wish you maybe, were here, don't you? We'll maybe sing you something at the halftime, at the half intermission. Time? It's not football. Thank it you. was intermission. <laughs> sorry, football on the brain. Okie dokie. So um, I want us all to take a moment to light our wands, put them up in the air, um, in memoriam of Roger Lloyd Pack, who just passed away this past week. Um, he played Barty Crouch Senior in the Harry Potter movie. We'll miss you, Mr. Crouch. We're losing too many Harry Potter actors. A couple days ago, Pottermore um, announced that they have some new moments that released, and there's new information on the Bobatons, Tri- Durmstring, and the Daily Prophet. Now, I actually went on to Pottermore before we started recording, and I have the um, the spoilers. So, if you're listening to this, you don't want to know, you want to experience it for yourself. Don't listen for the next few minutes. So, Bobatons, are you ready? Bring it. Thought to be situated somewhere in the Pyrenees, and that are th- those are mountains that separate um, France and Spain somewhere. Visitors speak of the breathtaking beauty of a chateau surrounded by formal gardens and lawns created out of 
the mountainous landscape by magic. Beaubaton Academy has a preponderance of French students, though Spanish, Portuguese, Dutch, and Luxembourgians and Belgians also attend in large numbers. Both Beaubaton and Derbstrang have a larger studentship than Hogwarts. Did you know that? No. Wow. No. Ah. Not a clue. It, it is said that the stunning castle and grounds of this prestigious school were part funded by Alchemist Gold for uh, for Nicholas and Paranel Flamel. What are your thoughts? I love it. Oh, that was good. I, I love meta content. I, I, I think it's, uh, there's tons of tons of stuff in there that that it's gonna be wonderful. To uh, I'm waiting for the fan art. Right, and I want it all in a book. <laughs> One day there will be a book that has all. Oh, the it's content a dollar. There's a dollar to be made. It'll be in a book. <laughs> like, My guess is there's all this information that I I know that J.K. was thinking about doing an encyclopedia, but I don't think that that's gonna happen until Pottermore has gone through all the books. Yep. I think that that's gonna I'm all sure. come out here first. No, no, no. I'm sure, but one day. Yeah, I think this is the encyclopedia. Yeah, but one day, don't you think there'll be a hard copy of it? Oh yeah, of course. Because you could sell it, and I'll buy it. Right. Like, don't pretend <laughs> like you won't own it, John. We all no, know. no. I might, be, I might, I might be a cynic, but I'm still gonna buy it. <laughs> <laughs> Moving right along. Okay, so there's some information about Germstring. <laughs> So, um, Durmstrang once had the darkest reputation of all 11 wizarding schools. Did you know that there were 11 wizarding schools? No idea. Uh, I, I, actually, I actually knew about more than the three. Uh, the only other one I knew of was the Salem Institute. I don't think it's actually schools, but they mention other ministries. And you can infer through other ministries that there are other schools. Well, now we have a finite number. There are 11 schools. And I I did know about Salem. We Of course, we knew about Beau Baton and Durmstrang, but we just didn't know what the other schools were. There's 11. I'm sure we'll, we'll learn about them maybe in the Fantastic Beasts movie. Who knows? All right. Another inter interesting fact about Durmstrang is that um, Durmstrang is one of the most secretive of all the schools about its whereabouts. So nobody can be quite certain. Visitors who must comply with memory charms to erase their knowledge of how they got there speak of vast, sprawling grounds with many stunning views, not least of the great, dark, spectral ship that is moored on a mountain lake behind the school from which students dive in summertime. So you do see a picture of the Durmstrang ship, and it does look like the Black Pearl from um, the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. It really does. <laughs> Maybe they reappropriated it. And um, also on Pottermore, there is some uh, more in-depth information about the Daily Prophet. So log into Pottermore, check it out. Did you guys see the Ministry of Magic website? Some Harry Potter fan who um, I guess is a web guy, he created this fictitious Ministry of, um, of Magic website. It's pretty cool. Check it out. And it, it kind of takes the uh, approach of exposing the Ministry. And it's just really one page, and I don't know if it was it was just to do for fun or if he's just trying to bring attention to himself for for gigs um, because he's a freelancer. I'm I'm thinking the latter. Have you guys seen it? Oh, absolutely. Uh, one of one of the key things about it is that it's designed based on the exact web format that the British actual ministry uses, so it makes itself look like a British ministry website, uh, and it's fantastic. I'm actually really angry I didn't think of it myself first. Cool. All right, the um, Oklahoma State University is going to be hosting 
Harry Potter's World, Renaissance Science, Magic, and Medicine, a traveling exhibit from the National Library of Medicine, January 13th through the February 22nd. And um, the exhibit is supposed to highlight um, some aspects of the series and compares them to history and science and medicine. So it sounds like it's going to be cool. I don't think I'm going to make the trek anytime soon, but if you're in the area, you guys could go. You guys should go check it out. Um, another big um, Phantom News item is about the Aurors Tale Harry Potter fan film. So here's the dealio. Um, Red Phoenix Pictures put out a request, uh, or actually a Kickstarter. They wanted to create this, um, I guess, a web, was it a web series, John, or was it a... Yeah, it was, a, it was purely YouTube series. Gotcha. Back in May 14th of 2012. And... Um, the, the goal was $20,000, and by July, they've reached that. So there's been no word on this at all. And then MuggleNet posted an article um, in November of this past year of 2013 and basically is like, hey, what's going on with this? So um, on January 12th, the, uh, the producer, Leo Kai, stated the following. I'm sorry this update took so long to get out. Unfortunately, I don't think I'm able to continue working on the R's tale the way it is. I would love to revisit the Harry Potter universe through different fan films, projects in the future, as well as renewed R's tale as standalone shorts on my YouTube channel without expectations or deadlines. But for now, I'm saving up funds to refund all supporters. So he took this $20,000. It's been over a year. And um, I think it was the MuggleNet, um, basically a call out that he had to respond. Like, what are your thoughts on that? It's incredibly disappointing. A couple of our members were actually in Aurora's Tale, and they are incredibly crushed. It's a real mess. What I want to say is that it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be a pe reason for people to necessarily discount other fan films. And a lot of people are saying, oh, you know, should we help other other groups? And each one has to be analyzed on its own. And, I mean, there's been some great stuff out there. Oh, I can't remember the name of it. What was the one about Dumbledore and Grindelwald having a duel? It's amazing. <laughs> For the greater good. For the greater good. is extraordinary. Excellent. I just watched yeah, it. It was yeah, very good, yeah. yes. So this is an unfortunate uh, you know, case of someone who didn't follow through, but I, I, I don't want it. Let's hope it doesn't spoil people from, from supporting other people's creative efforts. I agree. Well, I, well, I think it's, it brings up like the whole Kickstarter system. Um, so I, I assume that the producer got the money up front and, and there was no way to make him follow through on what that money was supposed to be used for. So I wonder if there was a way that Kickstarter could have held at least a portion of the funds until the promised project or whatever, you know, came into fruition. What are but your that's thoughts? That's not really Kickstarter's responsibility. I mean, Kickstarter exists as a mechanism for people to, to do crowdfunding of, of various various things. And, and that's really all it can be. Yeah. It's very clearly stated on Kickstarter that it's essentially buyer beware. You know, bad things happen, unfortunately, but it's, that's the nature of it. You have to understand what you're getting into when you give money to a Kickstarter. There are plenty of Kickstarters where the products or, or results don't show up, and then there are plenty that do. And it's, you know, I'm, I'm a firm believer in just, you, you know, you're gambling one way or another. But also, I mean, do your due diligence. Check it out. Does it look legit? Think about what's being offered. Is it too good to be true? Then don't give them your money. But there have been a lot of fan films that have been funded through Kickstarter that have delivered and that have done really good things and provided quality content. So I would hate for this to put a dampening effect on, on all fan films in general. 
Okay. Um, next up is Sony's Wonder Book of Potions. It's now available. It came out in December. Um, I haven't I haven't played it. Have, have any of you guys played the new game? This is the yeah. second. This is the second Wonder Book. It is. The first oh, one cool. was the Wonder Book of Spells, which we have, and it's amazing. And there's also more information, backstories in that. But I don't have the, the potions one. I actually got book, I got book of Spells, but I don't have the PlayStation. Yeah, I was going to ask, what is the uh, Book of Potions? Is it PS3 or is it the PS4? It's PS3. See, funny thing there, I actually do have the Book of Spells, just like John, and we don't have a PS3. <laughs> so when we get one, I'm sure I will enjoy it greatly. And I've seen it played once or twice, and it looked awesome. But <laughs> lacking a system. I'm thrilled that they're continuing to make new ones. Because it shows that people are buying it, that people are liking it, and it's another avenue. Anything that is an avenue for more Harry Potter stuff, I am happy with. Yes, and I mean, the one time I saw it played, we had it at a meetup, and we were, we, I was like, oh, this is cool, let's try this. Yeah, it was all of us watching one guy play, which was entertaining, <laughs> but not entertaining enough for a meetup. So that was quickly over. Yeah, it's entertaining for about 10 minutes. Right. Well, what we did is we, um, we made it as part of a meetup, like we had our annual Hippogriff uh, meetup in January 2013, and then after we were done doing the gifts, we played and everybody got five minutes to play because like you don't want to watch and watch for an hour. Someone play, you want to like play it because it was like really interactive. Like you're picking up the, um, you know, picking up the screaming baby plants. What are those called? <laughs> Mandrakes. Mandrakes. And you're talking them. Plants. Screaming baby plants. Yes. You're talking them. You have to like get them into, a, get them into a cauldron. It's pretty cool. And uh, are you making fun of my screaming baby plants? I'm actually writing down Screaming Baby Plants. <laughs> from Gryffindor, right there. Ten points from Gryffindor. I know, I'm so tired. <laughs> well, I'd say, like, if you have a PlayStation 3, I'd say get it. I don't have it yet, but it's on my shopping list. And then finally, for um, the final thing I have for Potter Watch is the WB tour at Leavesden. So um, February, they're going to have the animal actors there like Crookshanks and Trevor. That's adorable. <laughs> I know. And a number of rats. I guess multiple rats who played <laughs> Scabbers. Like, you could probably just put a rat in a cage and say that was Scabbers. I don't think we would know. Well, I question whether that could actually still be Scabbers because rats have a finite life and it's been a while since that movie was filmed. I sincerely I doubt any of those rats are really scabbers. Are you calling shenanigans? I am calling shenanigans <laughs> on any of those rats being scabbers. <laughs> Unless they are the most amazingly long-lived rats. Like, like if British rats are just... <laughs> <laughs> They've all drunk from the fountain of youth. They've all had their <laughs> philosopher's stone experience. That's the well, only way I'm buying it. They're magical. They're from the magical world. Of course they have a longer life. You know, if that's the case, then I want Crookshanks to come do my homework. <laughs> um, you'll also see Hagrid's dog Fang and the multiple owls that played Hedwig and um, lots of other animals that made an appearance that's so in cool. the Harry Potter that film. That is yeah. so cool. But they'll be keeping Hedwig separate from the rats because they'll be <laughs> I hope so. You don't want to like. Oh know. my god, I would pay to see that. <laughs> oh my god, Hedwig hates scabbers. 
like lots of scream rat. We need another take. <laughs> screaming, screaming, and crying children. Yes. <laughs> um, that's it for Potter Watch. It's not easy being a mandrake, baby. You're driving me crazy. So at least wear earmuffs that aren't pink and fluffy. I'm just a sapling. So please consider my feelings. I love Harry Potter merch. One of my favorite segments of always is Wizarding Wears with Jen. Welcome once again. This month we have some new items at Hot Topic to discuss. There is a Marauder's Map hobo bag, their description, not mine, that looks pretty cool. It's got your, your typical Marauder's Map image on the side of a large bag. Very um, stylish. There's also some Deathly Hallows earrings and a bracelet set. Um, my personal favorite, Muggle Over the Knee Socks. They look very adorable. Uh, I'm not going to say whether or not I will own those. Uh, there's lots of new shirts as usual. So if you want to go on Hot Topic, just search for Harry Potter, and the prices are going to range from $2 for little tiny pins up to $44 for hoodies. And there are a lot of new items to check out. Now, our Etsy find of the month uh, is going to be... I don't know if you guys have seen those those fabulous like Harry Potter painted shoes you guys familiar with those? Mm -hmm. So people like to paint different images from the movies or sort of inspired things onto canvas shoes. Could be Keds, could be Toms, could be Vans, or just random canvas shoes. There are a bunch of gorgeous shoes available on Etsy. Um, one that I found that I thought I'd like to feature is called the Always Harry Potter Shoes. Um, $60, and the design shows the boats approaching Hogwarts at night. And... That's one of my favorite scenes from the books. So to have that on the shoes was was very cool. It's beautiful art. So we'll have the link for that in our show notes and on our website. Just go on Etsy and search for Harry Potter and shoes, and you will see some amazing creations that you can wear around town, and uh, it'll get conversations started. You can indoctrinate new Harry Potter fans. <laughs> one day. I would be able to lead another to finish Salazar Slytherin's noble work. Bring them over to our side. Bum, bum, bum. And speaking <laughs> of fabulous Harry Potter finds, uh, we just discovered that HarryPotterWallArt.com, or I just discovered it, and I heard that our guest Barb might have some very cool things from them. Is that true, Barb? I do. In fact, uh, I... I recently acquired a new condo, and it's got this really neat nook underneath the stairs. And, I, and as soon as I saw it, I said, oh, I've got to totally Harry Potter this thing. So I went to MistyCon, and I saw they had this wonderful decal of the fat lady. And I said, I have got to put that on the door to oh, go okay. into my so, nook. I'm sorry. So you didn't obtain an orphan to put into the, the cupboard? No, no okay. orphan. I'm, no, no. Okay. I've got I've got two kids, three dogs, and a cat. I've got enough. Okay. But so I saw this wonderful wall art, this decal that MistyCon had, and I offered to buy it from them. They said, you know, go pound some pavement. I'm not selling it to you. So at LeakyCon, I was talking with one of the vendors there saying, oh, I'm really looking for this decal of the fat lady. And sure enough, he had it. So I bought it off him, and it's uh, it's by wallart.com, harrypotterwallart.com. And I've got it on my door, and it's framed fabulously. And you walk inside, and it's, it's, it's really small. It's just a cupboard under the stairs, you know, with spiders. Spiders? Why can't they be follow the butterflies? But uh, I've got all my Harry Potter's paraphernalia in there, so it's, it's beautiful. 
So HarryPotterWallArt.com features reusable art that you can put on your walls. It's it's um fabric based. Is that right? Yep, absolutely. It's like a canvas. It is. Yeah. You can reposition it. You can move it if you want to move it more than once. Probably not a hundred times, but it's full color. And it ranges in size. They can be little tiny ones or they can be big, huge. Huh? The prices are from $14 uh, up to 100 plus, depending on the size of the art that you would like to get. And they're just, they're gorgeous. So do yourself a favor, go check out the site. And I apologize to your wallet right now. That's all we've got on Wizarding Wares for you this month. If you have a favorite find, please send us an email and we might feature it next time. Welcome, everybody, to Into the Pensieve, where we delve into the memories of Harry Potter friends just like you. This episode, we have Barbara Peeves Ruckle from Las Vegas, Nevada. Now, if you've ever been to a Harry Potter conference, you've probably encountered Peeves the Poltergeist. She flits about the conference, playing practical jokes and taunting. Welcome, Peeves. So tell me, what's your Hogwarts house? Well, I associate with the most troublesome house, so that's going to be the Slytherin house. Is that because you're a poltergeist? I think it's because I really like to get things accomplished, and uh, I don't really mind stepping on people to do it. What's your muggle occupation out there in Las Vegas? Uh, believe it or not, I work for the police department. Uh, I'm not an officer, though. I'm a civilian for the department. I've been on there for 16 years. Cool. Now, are you part of a Harry Potter fan group? Uh, we, we did have a little group here in Las Vegas, the Las Vegas Harry Potter fandom, but it's kind of fallen to the wayside, but I'm really... Thinking this year I might try and uh, revamp it, bring it back up to speed, and just get the enthusiasm there again. Now, why do you think the group kind of fizzled out? I know when um, the LEDA went out to Vegas a few years back, you guys were on and strong and um, joined us at many of our events. It wasn't a huge group. It was only about 20 active members. Uh, there were no dues or anything like that. And uh, I think with the Harry Potter, the book's ending, people kind of phased out and they started going into different fandoms. And I understand that a lot of the Harry Potter people enjoy the same things like Doctor Who or Firefly or Buffy the Vampire Slayer, so on, so on. But the reason we met was Harry Potter's. I know Personally, I felt it should still be a Harry Potter group. Other people felt it should change completely the name. And I think we came Las Vegas Harry Potter fandom to the Las Vegas Black Hat Society. And that was uh, just a change to different fandoms and everything. We met because of Harry Potter, our love of Harry Potter. We can expand that to other things, but we were still Harry Potter people. And I think the leadership just kind of fell to the wayside. It's a lot of work, a lot of work and a lot of responsibility. Well, it is a lot of work, and luckily, I don't run it alone. I have a team of about 14 that help. I agree that you have to kind of branch out into other fandoms, but the core of our group is Harry Potter, and we're like maybe 35% other fandoms. But that's unfortunate, so hopefully you'll get around to you know, revamping the, the group and bringing the magic back to Las Vegas. What was your most magical memory with the Las Vegas Harry Potter group? When all of us went to Portis, we did a very good showing at Portis. There was probably about 15 or 16 of us. We had our fantasy Quidditch team, and we were uh, just represented Las Vegas very strongly, and I was very proud of my group at that point. 
Now, how did you get into the Harry Potter fandom? I got in because uh, the books were coming out, and everybody was making this big deal about them. And I'm thinking, they're just books, for heaven's sakes. How good can they be? So when the fourth book came out, Goblet of Fire, I said, okay, I'm going to bite the bullet. I'm going to read book one. I inhaled book one. After book one, book two, book three. And then I had to stop at book four because that one had just come out. <laughs> so I was like, give me more, I want more. But uh, I, I just couldn't believe how, how intricate it was. It was uh, book three that really showed me how she intertwined everything so gracefully and sneakily. What makes the Harry Potter fandom so special to you? Well, the Harry Potter fandom is special to me because uh, it's just a lot of good people that enjoy the same things. But the main thing is that it's brought me very close to my 13-year-old son, who um, is an avid reader already. But when I tried to encourage him to read Harry Potter, he wouldn't read it. He didn't want to touch it with a 10-foot pole. If mom read it, it's not cool. Mom's over the moon about it. So obviously, it's, it's not cool. And then he was admiring my pictures from MistyCom in last May. And he said, Mom, it looks like you really had a lot of fun. I said, oh, yeah, I had a blast. Well, can I go with you on the next convention? I looked at him. I said, only if you read all seven books. So that night, I left book one out on the counter. I didn't push it on him. I didn't force him. Just left it out for his leisure to pick up. The next morning, I woke him up for school, and he was asleep with the book in the crook of his arm. I'd be driving him to school, and he's reading the book in the car. So I, 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 I had to ask him are you just reading this book to make me happy? He looked at me like I was an idiot and said, Mom, I'm reading in the car. Really? <laughs> and then we had this little running joke between us. Whenever something really surprises us, you know, we say we, we shit a brick. So after he finished book three, he sends me a text. I'm, I'm at work and I'll start bust out laughing because he goes, oh, my gosh, Mom, I just created an entire house because he was so surprised at the outcome of it. So, And now he just sits there and he looks at me and he We'll be talking random stuff, and they'll say, you know, why do you think Luna did this? Or, or what do you think would happen if Snape did this? You know, so we're, we're just connected on a, a level that's just him and I. None of my other family is into it like that, so it's just me and him. And I noticed at, um, I think Leaky is when I saw you together, he's Peeves 2.0. Now, did yeah. he decide that he'd be a mini Peeves, or did you decide he would be a mini Peeves? Oh, he, he's on his own for that. And the reason we went to LeakyCon was he was so enthusiastic about it, and that was the only con that was nearby. He was old enough to attend 10 camp, nine and three quarters, and MistyCon wasn't for another year and a half. So I, I wanted to keep fostering that enthusiasm. So jumped on board, went to LeakyCon, uh, helped him with his costume and, and kind of pointed him to the little tricks and stuff like that that Peeves does. We also created our own buttons. We had... Uh, one of your members from the LADA, uh, graphic artist Jennifer, create our own logo. So my logo was based off of um, Coke Classic. It was Peas. And then his was based off of New Coke. So he was Peas 2.0 and we'd hand out our buttons. And people just thought it was wonderful. It was really, really cute. I have a Peas 2.0 button. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, what is your favorite Harry Potter book and why? My very favorite Harry Potter book, I'm going to have to say, is Goblet of Fire, uh, because that was one that I had to turn around and automatically reread again. It, it was kind of like The Sixth Sense. The first time you, you saw The Sixth Sense, you had to go mm -hmm. back and watch it over again. Like, ah, okay, I see how that works now. Because the whole Winky and Barty Crouch Jr. and just, 
really, really threw me for a loop. So I had to go back immediately and reread that book. Now, um, what is the most outrageous Harry Potter fandom thing you've done? Well, besides tackling complete strangers who are reading Harry Potter books, I did go out uh, and get myself a tattoo after Ascatraz because at Ascatraz they had this, uh, it was based out of the um, San Francisco area, basically Alcatraz and Azkaban. And now I can never say Alcatraz. I always say Ascatraz. But uh, they have a fundraiser where, you know, you, you put out a warrant for somebody like a dollar, and then when you get arrested, you have to pay $2 to get out and you get a temporary tattoo. So it was my mission to get arrested as many times as I could. And I had uh, like 26 tattoos on the right side of my body, on my waist and hip area. And afterwards I started thinking, you know, I, I kind of like, that location, you know, I can show people when I want to show it, and I'm going to hide it when I want to hide it. So, I spent mm-hmm. about four hours getting a um, the Hogwarts press on my side with some swirlies to make it a little more girly. And the very top says "always" because I'll always be in love with Harry Potter, just like Snape was always in love with Lily. And the very bottom, which very few people say, because see, because kind of close to my tushy is uh, "peace." So I would actually say that's the most crazy thing I've done. But I also got a, uh, a custom license plate for my car. It says Peeves. I know you've been to the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. When you saw Hogwarts for the first time, how did you feel? My very first time seeing it, I was at Night of a Thousand Wizards with all my other Harry Potter fans, and our jaws kind of dropped. Our eyes just kind of watered, got misty, and, and just had this warm envelop of feeling, you know, I'm home. This is where I belong. I'm home. I cannot wait for Wizarding World to come to the West Coast so I can get my annual pass. Now, so you've been to the Wizarding World of Harry Potter Orlando once. Um, Diagon Alley is opening in July. Do you plan on going this year and bringing T- 2.0 as well? Uh, not this year. Maybe next year. I would like it to be a little more uh, comfortable, not so crowded. It's not. A, it's, mm-hmm. it's very expensive to go to the other side of the United States. And then when you're bringing two kids, I also have a younger son. That just triples the cost. Gotcha. Assume that Peeves is your favorite Harry Potter character, but why is it your favorite Harry Potter character? He can be as rude and obnoxious as he wants, and nobody could do anything about it. The only one he listens to is the Bloody Baron and sometimes Dumbledore. But man, and and the cosplay in the character is wonderful because I will sit there. There'll be like a long line, the food line, and I'll just walk in front and just cut, and everybody will start laughing because it's Peeves. It's okay. If you could cast a Patronus, what would it be and why? Well, if I could cast a Patronus, you know, um, being that Peeves is kind of a wacky and wild kind of guy, I would choose the most unusual and creative animal out there, which to me is the platypus, because really who came up with uh, this beaver, duck, marsupial, poisonous animal from Australia, really? Now, if you could teach a Hogwarts class, what would it be? I would have to say Transfigurations just seems like the most fun class that you could have. Why do you think the Harry Potter series is so popular with adults? Well, I'm still trying to get my hand around it being a a young adult novel because, uh, to me, a young adult novel is, you know, Judy Bloom. Harry Potter, the story, the first two books were nice, you know. I think I believe the third book, you know, when my son created his mansion, that really tied everything together, and you're sitting there at the end of the book three thinking, she just tied everything from book one. And then as you're reading it, you're trying to find the clues that she's laid, you know, trying to be one step ahead of her, and you never are. You're never one step ahead of her. And I don't think any child or young adult can grasp the detail that she put in to make the pieces fall into place. Yes, it's very complex and well thought out. I mean, she's a genius. Now, if you met J.K. Rowling and you could ask her one question or tell her one thing, what would it be? 
if I could find my voice to even talk, you know, because I'd be bawling up a storm. But I think I would just simply say thank you because she has not only made children interested in reading again, but she's brought a lot of people close together as friends, uh, people who've gotten married together, just building lives together because of their love of Harry Potter. And some people I know are like on the brink of despair. They discover Harry Potter. They discover their Harry Potter friends and realize, you know what, I'm, I'm not alone. I'm not, I'm not the only person out there. And there's a lot of us out there, and they're all wonderful. So I would have to say thank you for creating that world for us. Finally, what would you see in the mirror of Erised? Okay, now that's a really tough one. To be quite honest, you know, what I have today in my life, I have a good job, I have my family, I have my health. Uh, I would just basically see my own reflection at this point. That's wonderful. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. I hope to see you soon. What's your next con? My next con is going to be Shoot 212. Oh, so you're going to attend the one in San Jose? Yes, uh, Shoot 212, and then after that I'll be going to Camp 9 and 3 quarters again. And then, of course, MistyCon in 2015. Oh, MistyCon, you're going to bring your son as well, right? Yes, he's going to MistyCon 2015. (laughs) Double the peeves, double the fun. Well, thank you for joining us today. And if you'd like to submit your story for Into the Pensieve, send us an E-L at alwayspodcast at gmail.com. Knox! Just like the fictional Ministry of Magic, it takes many witches and wizards to keep the fandom alive. For today's episode, I'm interviewing the head organizer of the Melbourne Muggles, Amanda Walters. Welcome, Amanda. How are you today? I'm very well, thank you. So how long have you been a Harry Potter fan? Um, I've been a fan since the movies came out. I did read the first book just before the movie came out. I was initially a Harry Potter hater simply because I got sick of seeing it in the media. And then my dad bought me Goblet of Fire, which didn't help because I'm like, who is this Wormtail person? <laughs> and then I actually read the first book and it was the sinking shoot from there. I was completely in the fandom. <laughs> Now, are you on Pottermore, and if so, did you get sorted in Pottermore? Yes, I'm sorted on Pottermore, and I am a very proud Slytherin. I've never had a test that has proven me otherwise. Even as far back as HarryPotter.com, when they were um, sorting, I was Slytherin then, so I have always been Slytherin. Now, what's your muggle occupation? I am a childcare worker. Working with kids, do you have an opportunity to share the Harry Potter fandom with them? Um, not so much this year because I'm working with the babies. I could start brainwashing young, but it's a new job. I, I won't let out the crazy that early. Um, but last year, we I was looking after a little boy that he was just starving on his journey, and his mum was coming up to me and saying, oh, should I, we watch the next one? And by the end of the year, he'd seen them all, and now he's going to America to see the Wizarding World, so I'm really excited for him. <laughs> Now, I assume that you've been to a Harry Potter convention, and if so, which one? I've been to Ascendio back in 2012. That was my first American convention. I'm going to LeakyCon this year in Orlando, but um, I've been to quite a few Australian conventions. We'll get a few of the actors out here. Uh, I've been to Supernova, Armageddon, Oz Comic Con, and we also had a convention called Hubwarts, which the Weasley twins, Natalia Tina and Stan Yudzubaski, Russian name, um, he attended, and I got to hang out with them for a few hours. That's cool. So um, 
how did your group get started? Did you start the group, or did you take over from another organizer? Well, the actual group started back in 2002 by um, someone named Shannon. I didn't become a part of the group until 2006. She was still a leader then, and there were several sort of groups jumping around Melbourne. I actually left for a while to um, join the Dumbledore's Army because there was a lot more sort of... Um, discussion about what we thought was going to happen in the final books and then they all sort of just disappeared and then what was called the Harry Potter meetup group in those days restarted and I joined in again in a big way and that person who was running it at that time she just sort of disappeared and at that time I stepped up to the plate I got a group of good friends around me uh, which we now call ourselves the prefects and together we sort of guide where the group is going we don't lead per se we take an active role in you know setting up meetings and yeah just trying to create events and lead the Melbourne muggles into the future now how many members do you have um, on Facebook we have 675 on meetup.com we have 284, but our actual attendance rate is usually around the 25 mark. <laughs> so there's a lot of lurkers. Absolutely lurkers, but there are a lot of people active on the Facebook page that we sort of go, oh, I haven't seen your name before. So they're definitely paying attention, it's just about getting them off the computer and seeing them in person. Gotcha. What types of meetups do you do? Um, usually it's a lot of um, just social and discussion meetups. We sort of do them on alternating months, a lot of just sitting around and talking. But we're sort of finding that it's sort of harder to continue the meetups in that way. Hence, we started the social ones where we can branch off into other fandoms. But this year, we want to get a lot more adventurous in our meetups. Today, we went to a Harry Potter sand um, carving display that was down in one of our suburbs. We wanted to a bit more for charity and organize some trivia nights and yeah we're really like looking for new ideas to bring some life back into the Melbourne Muggles. Great have you done any large-scale public events? Um not well um we ran the midnight release for Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows part two at our IMAX which was at the time the third largest screen in the world and um yeah we um organized charity for that we had a special cake cutting ceremony where we organised everyone to sing um, Hogwarts song, did a few speeches, did um, played Quidditch out the front, which actually is what inspired our local Quidditch team to start. And yeah, that is probably the biggest event that we've done. We also, it wasn't Melbourne Muggles per se, but at the time we had the Harry Potter Events Australia also running in Melbourne, and we had MuggleCast Down Under, where Eric came down. Oh, that's lovely. So yeah. what has been your most memorable meetup? Well, aside from, obviously, the, Mel the um, MuggleCast Down Under and the um, Midnight Release, I'd say that, oh, yeah, they would be the most memorable. Where I've Today would have been a pretty memorable one because, as I said, we went down to a special artistic sand carvings and we were walking around and we came upon the Harry Potter section and for some reason the artist that decided to carve the Harry Potter castle decided to carve Hermione pretty much snuggled up to Snape. So <laughs> we've got a lot of laughs about that. <laughs> so share the funniest meetup moment that you've been a part of. I'm probably one of the 
biggest instigators of this Harry Potter funny moment because it was my delirium from seeing Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows part two uh, five times within 24 hours that caused it. It got to the final scene where Voldemort's breaking up into all his lashy bits and I decided for some reason that you could get those ashy bits and roll some cheese in it and make a nice ash-rolled Voldemort cheese. So we've now got the joke in the Melbourne Marbles about um, ash-rolled Voldemort cheese and how good it would be. <laughs> Just insane stuff like that. Like, at one point we decided that Voldemort was actually a starfish because, um, obviously, you cut a starfish up and it, you know, had all these little lives everywhere. So, you know, you can take little bits of Voldemort and put him everywhere and he's a starfish. Voldy the starfish. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're crazy in Australia. We acknowledge it. You crazy Australians. <laughs> okay, what events do you have coming up? Coming up, we have our social picnic in February because it's summer over here, so hopefully it's still not 111 so we can sit outside. Um, but, yeah, just our regular monthly meets, which are the third week of weekend of every month. Um, but we also want to do a food can drive this year, and we're aiming to organise a trivia night for in about June, July. What advice would you give to a potential Harry Potter fan group organizer, someone who would love to start a group in their area because no one else is doing it? What advice would you share with them? Utilize the resources you have. Meetup.com and Facebook are great ways to find fellow fans. Don't be afraid to approach people. We make a point of, you know, if we see someone reading the books out in public, we'll go up and talk to them and say, hi, have you heard of us? And just never let it die. It, the fandom's changing. We all have to acknowledge it, but that doesn't mean it has to go away, and it never should. You sent in your story about how Harry Potter fandom has impacted your life. Would you like to share that with the listeners at large? Basically, um, I've got cystic fibrosis, which it hasn't been the biggest impact but it, it did change my, my way of thinking a lot and when I was going through school I'd sort of you know I'd get a bit sick and I'd be like well I can't go anywhere because I have to wait for the next Harry Potter book. and then it turned in I can't go anywhere because I've got to wait for the next Harry Potter movie and now it's I can't get sick because I have to go overseas and see the theme park and then I won't be able to get sick because I want to go to London in 2017 and send see Harry send his kids off to school so Harry Potter is really driving me to stay healthy, which, you know, I need that drive there to keep it all at bay. And, yeah, it's just provided something really positive for me in my life. Wow, that's an inspiring story. Um, thank you so much for joining us today. If you would like more information on the Melbourne Muggles, check them out on meetup.com or on Facebook. Until next time, Mischief Managed. Thank you to all of our listeners for joining us. Remember to check out our website, alwayspodcast.com. Our guest tonight, Barbara Peeves Ruckel, will be helping us close our podcast with an appropriate song. Have a magical evening. We did it. We bashed him. We potters the one. And Boldy's gone moldy. So now let's have fun. Yay! That was cute.